0: Welcome to Christ in Prophecy and our Jesus in the Old Testament series. I'm Tim Moore, the Senior Evangelist for Lamb & Lion Ministries.
1: And I'm Nathan Jones, Internet Evangelist here at Lamb & Lion. Our next couple of episodes
0: may seem like reruns, because we're going to focus on 1st and 2nd Chronicles, two books that follow 1st and 2nd Kings. They offer a retelling of the history of Israel and still focus on the kings that reigned in both Israel and Judah. 1st Chronicles opens with an extended recounting of the genealogies from Adam, through Abraham, the 12 sons of Jacob, or Israel, and David and Saul. It also reviews the lineage of priests that descended from Levi. It's as if the writer of Chronicles, thought by many to be Ezra, a highly regarded scribe and in the priestly line himself, wanted to emphasize
1: Israel's national heritage. Retelling the history of the Jewish people from 850 to 600 B.C., but written after that time frame, First and Second Chronicles is a heartbreaking commentary on what could have been, but was not chosen by God and set apart to be both a reservoir and conduit of His blessing, the Jewish people were the apple of His eye, covenanted to be with Him." Their special calling is summed up in one of our key verse passages for today, which is 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11 and 23 through 25.
0: The promise of that song of thanksgiving that David wrote for Asaph the seer to sing as he brought the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem is echoed in our other key verse today, 1 Chronicles 22, 13. David's admonition to Solomon reflected the blessing that would continue to flow if he and all Israel was careful to observe the Lord's statutes and ordinances. Sadly, neither David nor his son Solomon, let alone the nation itself, could uphold that standard. They all reflect the tragic reality that wisdom is fleeting. Our guest today is someone followers of Lamb and Lion Ministries will be familiar with. Along with our own Nathan Jones, Steve Howell co-authored 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets, an exciting book that we'll be featuring even more as we get to the Minor Prophets within this series. For the last several years he has been the education pastor at Tonganoxie Christian Church near Kansas City, and he is well-versed in the Old Testament. Pun intended, Nathan. We are so delighted, Steve, that you could join us today on this episode of Christ in Prophecy.
2: Thanks, Tim. I really appreciate the invitation to be back here. It's good to be here with you and Nathan and talking about God's Word. We're glad you're here.
1: Well, brother, 20 years now that we've been ministering together, and it was such a joy writing 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets with you, uh, brother. I don't think people remember the or take the fact that there's so much relevance to the Minor Prophets, all the faith challenges they had to endure, and the lessons they learned. And some people not only disconnect, discount the Minor Prophets, but they go so far as discounting the entire Old Testament. They're not saying it; they say it's not relevant anymore. I'm hearing more and more pastors, big names, saying, uh, "I'm a New Testament church." Well, Steve, are these pastors right? I mean, after all, you're a you're a teaching pastor yourself. How would you argue for the significance of the entirety of God's word?
2: Yeah, I think the entirety of God's word is super important for us to discuss. Uh, there are there are certainly great things about the New Testament, Jesus being one of them. But uh, when we talk about the entire story that God has presented, it's not limited just to the New Testament. It's not like we have some false contrast between law and grace. Uh, that's sometimes what we hear people discuss, but there is certainly enough law in the New Testament and enough grace in the Old Testament that we see those two things fitting together. And there's a continuity of that story that goes from the beginning, from creation, all the way through the cross, all the way until Jesus' return. We need to hear the entire thing. If we miss part of the Old Testament, we miss backstory, we miss context, we miss some of the things that make the New Testament experience so rich. So, we need to teach the entire thing.
0: That's beautifully said, Steve, and the fact that there is grace and law in both the Old Testament and the New. And I know that you've made it one of your missions as a minister to shine light on what you consider to be some of the neglected books of the Bible. That's why you and Nathan wrote the wonderful book, Twelve Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets. But it's also why you, I'm told, wrote an entire study guide focusing on First and Second Chronicles. And so, what Why do you feel that we need to really dive into some of these books that are oftentimes neglected even by Christians today?
2: Well, as a teaching pastor, the reason I get into some of these books is just because I'm trying to be nice to my volunteers. (laughs) When you ask people to teach classes, you don't want to just throw them into uh, some of these difficult matters. And I, I offer some options. They choose the easy ones that sticks me with the hard ones. So by default, I often get First Chronicles. I get the Minor Prophets. I get some of these sections that often get overlooked. But in the course of teaching those things, you spend time and you start to realize how important they are and you realize the value that they have. And so over time teaching those neglected passages, it just really kind of put it on my heart that I want to help others be able to teach those well and kind of reclaim that for themselves. Uh, when it comes to 1st and 2nd Chronicles, yeah, I, I developed a teaching guide to go through with my, my students here at Tonganoxie, And <laughs> it, it's, a, it's not an easy book. Uh, I, mean, I mean, for just being honest, it is, it is boring at parts. If you're just reading through as a, as a normal reader, there's a lot of material here that seems repetitive because if you've just gone through, say, in a, a reading plan, you've read through First and Second Kings, now you get to Chronicles and you feel like you've already covered this material, why go through it again? And so there are certainly a, a lot of good reasons why people overlook this book, but again, once you start to dig into it, you see the value that's there.
1: Interesting. Well, Steve, we've been going through the series, Jesus in the Old Testaments. We're seeking through the Bible, trying to find all the appearances of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Uh, Christophanies, were actual physical pre-incarnate uh, occurrences of Jesus, uh, also types and symbols. So, in First Chronicles, do you see any of these Christophanies or types? Do you find the Messiah in First Chronicles? Yes. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Good okay. answer. Can you How tell so? us where? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: You probably want a little more than that. (laughs) No, I I think it's really great to to take a look here and see where we can find Jesus in this book. I think the entire Old Testament, uh, the entire Bible, uh, sometimes when I'm teaching a a class on an overview of scripture, we just use a simple breakdown that the Bible can be summed up in three sentences, that Jesus is coming, Jesus has come, and Jesus is coming again. And so when we look at the Old Testament, there's certainly this, this focus on Jesus, even if it's not spelled out explicitly it's still there and i think probably one of the the key types here the key uh symbols here of jesus that we find is david um certainly you probably talked about this when you did a did your lesson on on samuel right i assume you you had some conversations there um I don't want to get into some of those specifics. Instead, I want to take a, a little broader look at how First Chronicles points towards Jesus, and it really it starts off the book in an unlikely way, because we get into this first nine chapters here, and we have genealogy, right? First Chronicles it's a, it's a great way to start. I don't know if you guys have any favorite names as you go through there. Mine comes in chapter four, verse three, uh, Hazel El Pony. It's a great name. Uh, more. <laughs> More parents to go yeah, with that, spell one. that for us. Yeah. <laughs> but as you start looking at the content, uh, a lot of times we just start reading. and in in that reading, it's 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 hard. Those names are difficult. We stumble over them. So I've broken it down a little bit differently, and instead of just reading through them, I want to understand it by looking at a bar graph. okay? So all those different names that are there, you figure you get, you have different tribes that are that are explained, and you have all the names that are there. When you start looking at what the author of first chronicles did he doesn't just break them down evenly he has a huge amount of material on this first tribe and it's the tribe of judah and the other part that gets a lot of information comes later on when we talk about the tribe of levi and those two tribes the fact that he spends so much time on those two parts of the genealogy really clue us into his whole emphasis as he's going through the book of Chronicles. He's talking about the tribe of Judah, which leads to King David, and he's talking about the tribe of Levi, which leads to the service in the temple. Those two elements are a huge part of this book, and when we talk about Jesus himself coming from the tribe of Judah, him being the the fulfillment of the prophecy that we find in 1 Chronicles 17, uh, God has given David a promise here. 1 Chronicles 17, 11 to 14. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father. He will be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from him who was before you, but I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever and his throne shall be established forever. And, and that promise is so important because the people who are receiving First Chronicles, they've been in exile, right? They've come back from that, that journey into Babylon. They're coming back. They're trying to figure out who they are. And they're trying to remember God's promises. Does he still care for them? Does he, does he still plan to do all the things that he promised all the way back to Abraham, to Moses, to David? Is He still planning to fulfill those? And the author of Chronicles is saying, yes, He is going to fulfill those promises, and it comes through Jesus. I think there's so much
0: wisdom offered in Chronicles if you can wade through the genealogies, because you're right, sometimes figuring out even how to pronounce all the various names is difficult enough, let alone get through nine chapters of genealogy, unless you step back and look At the big picture, which you've just shared with us, we always pull out key verses from the books that we've been reviewing. So, for instance, today our key verses are going to be from 1 Chronicles, uh, chapter 16, verse 11, which says, "Seek the Lord and His strength; seek His face continually." And then David, also giving wisdom to his son, says later in the same uh, portion. as he has actually written a a hymn, that's what this chapter is. He says, Sing to the Lord, this is verse 23-25, through Sing to the Lord, all the earth, proclaim good news of His salvation from day to day. Tell of His glory among the nations, His wonderful deeds among all the peoples, for great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. And the advice, the wisdom that he later shares with With Solomon in particular in chapter 22, verse 13, is then you will prosper if you are careful to follow the statutes and the ordinances which the Lord commanded Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and courageous, do not fear nor be dismayed. And that's great wisdom from a king to his people, from a father to his son. And yet, as both David in the book of Chronicles demonstrates, and Solomon we know later that wisdom is so fleeting because both of those great kings, the greatest kings in Israel, failed to maintain their own wisdom and the nation who understood these kind of, of truths, this wisdom, also wavered on it. And so it is great, uh, I guess, instruction for us even today to stay focused on the Lord and His Son, Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah, I think when we we keep that focus, uh, it's it's not just a checklist of doing the right things. You know, it's about loving God. It's having that be your identity, it's a desire that overtakes everything else. Um, I mean, you can you can obey something, <laughs> but when it comes out of love, it's a it's a different kind of thing. You know, I I, I was thinking about this with my my wife. Uh, she she hates mayonnaise. Okay, she hates mayonnaise, and <laughs> uh, even if I love mayonnaise. I would not bring it to her because it's not what matters most to her. I, 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 I choose to do things because I love her. And just like that with, with God, I'm not obeying because I have to. It's not that there's some law there that says, well, I mean, there is a law, but you know what I'm saying? It's not It's not that I have to do all these things because the law is the only way that I get to him. It's that I get to do these things because I love him.
1: Interesting. Well, Steve, some people mistakenly think that the Christian faith is just a passive activity. And time and time again in First Chronicles and, of course, across the entire Old Testament, people are called by God to be strong and courageous. I'm thinking of particularly of verse 2810. What would you call Christians to do today to be strong and courageous?
2: Man, I think that I, I'm going to go back to First Chronicles and just say that whole idea that they have trying to remember who they were. Uh, Knowing their identity is the key for us being strong and courageous. Uh, Even the identities, as you you go through the genealogy, so many of the different names have those endings like I-A-H or E-L that actually come from the name of God himself. It's part of their identity. It's part of who they are. And for us, we need to remember that's who we are. We're part of God's family. The the church is where we need to find that strength because we're together with our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And I think it's been one of the challenges of COVID is that so many of us have been spread out, so many, so many Christians have been separated from their brothers and sisters. It's made it harder for us to be strong and courageous together, but if we can bond together, remember our, our identity, and have that love for one another, that, that's going to help us be strong, courageous, and active in these times.
0: I think that's a well-said uh, sentiment because I know a lot of people like to look up their family genealogy, you know, what ethnic background they are, where they came from uh, in in their forebears. I've never had too much interest in that personally, quite frankly, because I figure I'm just a uh, an all-American mutt, uh, quite frankly, but my identity is in Christ. And so when I know brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah, I'm interested in some of their their human heritage, but what connects us is our common love for our Savior and our identity as children of God. And so it gives us a completely new and an eternal identity. And, of course, I would submit this, that when we look forward to the return of Jesus Christ, a lot of people say, oh, you Christians, y'all are all looking forward. No, we're actually we're looking to manifest that love, that calling, that unifying spirit of the Holy Spirit bringing us into joint co-laboring for Christ here in this world. And so it's not that we're so heavenly minded, we're, we're no earthly good. It's, so, it's that we are so focused on Jesus Christ and our love for Him is manifest in, in how we act, in what we do, and how we treat others right here and now.
2: Yeah, I think there's an urgency, not, not just for the return of Christ, but there's a, an urgency for, for right now. Uh, none of us know when he's going to call us home. I could have a heart attack right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he could call us home at any minute. And it, it's not that I have to be urgent because he's going to come back soon, but it's urgent because his love is right now. The kingdom of God is right now as well as then. So we have that that imperative to love him with everything that we have right now. Well, Steve, uh, I had this
1: curious, because we're looking at wisdom that is fleeting in, in this book of First Chronicles, and we see that David, near the end of his career, calls a census on the people, and Joab and all the others saying, this is a bad idea. Could you first tell me why was it a bad idea? Why did God respond with such force? And is there a Christophany there when the angel puts his sword away, and it's called the angel of the Lord? Could that be Jesus Christ?
2: Well, I think it's such a bad thing when, when you start to trust yourself instead of God. You know, I think that's always that's always a bad decision when you're starting to look to your own strength, trying to figure out your own uh, your own ability to do things instead of leaning completely on Him. And and I I think God certainly has uh, gotten Himself involved in that situation, trying to steer David onto the right path. Uh, Yeah, you point out some of those those instances where Jesus shows up, and it's a it's it's a constant love that God has for His people. He wants to steer them on the right path. So. It's, it's amazing to see how he's continued to do that throughout the entire Old Testament, including here in Chronicles.
0: I think the, Nathan's example is a good one because it shows that even as David was a type of the Messiah, he interceded for his people uh, in this particular instant. He was also not the Messiah. In other words, he was merely human because his own failure is what led to that incident. And the Lord himself said, you choose between three catastrophes and David here again showing wisdom he said i don't want to fall into the hands of man at least i will i will put myself forward to fall into the hands of god because god is merciful and there was pestilence that was unleashed upon the people but david offered sacrifice again being an intercessor for his people and so he was both the uh, the instrument of their their catastrophe but he also became in a messianic type, the instrument of interceding for his people and bringing deliverance through God's mercy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I, a fantastic story that people ought to read because here the angel of the Lord has killed, what, 70,000 people. 70, yes. And David's desperate, right? He's saying, Well, Lord, you know, it's my fault. I'm the one who took the census. Bring it down upon me. He goes up, he buys that threshing floor. And that's going to be the future site of the temple. It's going to be the future site where Jesus would be persecuted, and by his stripes we are healed. You think threshing is where people are, are threshed, and and so there's just so many different Christophanies, so many different typologies in that in First Chronicles 21. And
0: I love the fact that he will not allow the, the threshing floor to be given to him. He said, "No, I have to have skin in the game. I, it has to cost me something." And here again, that's a, a picture of Christ. He doesn't just say, well, I'll just, you know, you know, wave my hands and forgive. No, Jesus was invested. I mean, he had literally skin in the game of giving himself to purchase that, that huge debt. our behalf.
1: Well, that's an excellent point. Well, Steve, you're a lifelong Bible teacher. You were my teacher for many years. You're also the father of two teenagers. And uh, can you give us any hopeful signs that their youth today in the churches are properly being equipped to grow up and stay in the faith? I know I have two college-age students. Their faith is their own. But we're reading in so many books, Ken Ham and other books, releasing terrible statistics that kids are, are leaving, they're going to college and leaving the church in droves is there any hope and if not what can be done
2: well i think there's hope and that's the fact that the holy spirit's still around right i mean he's still active in our lives he's still active in the lives of our kids who who love him as well and so even though things are things are kind of bleak right i mean th- this culture is certainly not one that honors jesus in in most of the choices that are made it is difficult uh, our, our sons are both at college and we've had conversations about some of the challenges they've faced as the, the mindset of the world is coming right up against the mindset that they've been raised with. Uh, it's it's tough. It's not going to be easy. And so I don't think there's a lot of hope in the world, but there's hope in what God's doing and for the Holy spirit to be active in their lives. That is that is something we can trust and hope in for us just to be honest to goodness, lovers of Jesus. Like that is what is most important. These kids need that role model. They need us to care about them. It's not so much that we're putting it all on them. They need us to be that rock for them. They need us to be the the ones who have the spiritual wisdom to guide them. As long as we are being the kind of Christians that they need, if we're being the role models that they need, if we're praying for them, then that's where there's hope.
0: Well, I think that David also models a willingness to pour into his son, especially as his life uh, grew to a close, as Nathan said. And so, we have to be intentional about pouring wisdom into our children, into our grandchildren. I've said that oftentimes even on this show, and making sure that we share the, the wisdom we've gained sometimes through trial and through, uh, through our own missteps, but we share that with our children and we tell them about the goodness and the providence of God. Steve, how can our viewers get a hold of your own study on First and Second Chronicles? Is it available online?
2: I have a website called scripturereclamation.com where I'm going to be posting some of these lessons and making curriculum available to people so that they can study these these neglected sections of scripture scripture themselves.
1: Thank you so much, Steve. Folks, I highly recommend, check out scripturereclamation.com. Steve has quite a variety of studies to help you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. God bless.
0: seems to be descending into social, political, and spiritual chaos. The West in particular is abandoning its Christian foundations to embrace socialism, wokeism, and humanism. David Reagan's book, America's Suicide, points to the willful rejection of God we're witnessing before our eyes and the inevitable consequence of such foolish rebellion. Canada's Prime Minister has tossed religious and civic liberty overboard altogether as he seeks to exert his will And too many elected leaders in America have demonstrated a willingness to embrace that same approach to governing. Our friend Josh McDowell recently told me that 1 Chronicles 12.32 is his favorite verse in that book. The writer recognized the sons of Issachar for being men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. The world today seems to lack leaders who understand our times and know how to lead with godly wisdom. We hear from Christians all the time who express frustration that they are living out the famine God spoke to Amos. Not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the Word of the Lord. Looking at the chaos plaguing our political process and the violence being perpetrated throughout our own nation, the tragic consequence of a famine of God's Word is manifest before our very eyes. People stagger from sea to sea, and from the north, even to the east. They go to and fro to seek the Word of the Lord, but they do not find it." Thankfully, there are faithful proclaimers of the full counsel of God's Word scattered throughout our land. Here at Lamb & Lion Ministries we endeavor to faithfully declare that Word, from the glorious gospel to the powerful prophetic Word. But we agree that finding a local church that is faithful to that Word and unashamed in the preaching the full counsel is increasingly hard. Even when you do find a preacher or teacher who is committed to being faithful to God's Word, we urge you to be like the Bereans, believers Paul recognized as noble-minded because they examined the Scriptures daily to see whether his teaching was faithful and true. And I'd note that the Scriptures the Bereans were consulting were contained in what we call the Old Testament, meaning that everything in the New Testament fits seamlessly with what is in the Old, and that we should be well-versed in the entire Bible. Instead of wringing our hands over the degradation of faith evident all around us, let's anchor ourselves in the Word of God and hide its wisdom in the hearts of our children and grandchildren. You know, David was surrounded by a band of mighty men who served alongside him in battle. The sons of Issachar had vision to perceive, and wisdom to understand the times. Their presence at Mount Horeb demonstrated a willingness to serve, and with their knowledge of what Israel should do, their kinsmen were ready to act boldly. Our nation is in desperate need of men and women who understand the times and know what to do. In the words of the great hymn by William Merrill, Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of Kings." Now, that is a rallying call worthy of every Christian man, woman, and child. Well, Nathan, I appreciate you recommending Steve Howell as our guest today. His passion for God's Word is obvious.
1: Oh, many years I've found him so insightful. You know, I knew you would have some keen insights, and what he shared on the significance of genealogies early in First Chronicles was really compelling. And I'm sure his study guides on First and Second Chronicles will be a blessing to anyone who visits his website to download a copy. You know,
0: every portion of God's Word is powerful and worthy of study. That's why the resource we're offering today, David Reagan's book, Israel and Bible Prophecy, is so timely. It is a go-to overview of God's promises to the Jewish people, and documents That the fulfillment of Bible prophecy is evident even today. For a gift of only $20 we'll be glad to ship it to you. Just call the number on the screen and be ready to have your eyes opened to the protection and providence of God as manifest through the nation of Israel.
1: Our theme for today is wisdom that is fleeting. We can gain godly wisdom by studying the Bible, and the only way to keep it from fleeting is to hide it in our hearts. Better yet, since our minds are fallen we need to stay in the Word of God throughout our lives. Let it fill us and illuminating our hearts as the Holy Spirit gives us understanding, just like the sons of Ezekiel that you mentioned. You know that is such a
0: great testimony of faithfulness, just like Paul's statement about the Bereans. You know, much of First Chronicles deals with David. That man after God's own heart tried to pour wisdom into his own son. He urged him to know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If only Solomon had heeded that wise advice all
1: the days of his life. Right. David had fallen short in a dramatic way, but he tried to steer Solomon onto the narrow path. Similarly, if we could pour that kind of wisdom into younger generations, we could have higher hopes for our nation, or at least for the remnant who will be faithful to the end. Folks, while we await the appearing of our great God and Savior, we pray that you
0: are committed to seeking and sharing the wisdom that comes from His Word. Until next
1: week, this is Tim Moore. And Nathan Jones saying, Look up, be watchful, for the Lord who gives wisdom to those who seek Him is drawing near.